The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is Boxing Day. Uh, put them up or... Uh, oh, wait. No, no, no. It's not actually that sort of boxing. But uh, holiday season is very nearly over. The year is very nearly over. Um, in fact, uh, let's see. Well, it kind of it, it kind of depends on what you're doing today, because if you're one of the multi-millions of people who feel that you have to return your gifts the day after you open them, or you could, or you use could your be gift in, cards, yes, or use your gift cards, you could be in stores putting them up, so to speak. Over the last decade or two, <laughs> uh, and it might even be longer than that. Today, Boxing Day, the 26th, has actually been the busiest shopping day of the year. Cyber Monday may or may not have actually surpassed that, and I'm sure Amazon would love for Prime Day to actually surpass that, but I don't quite think it will. Um, Not that I'm aware of it. Yeah, December 26th, uh, during the period that I worked retail, I always avoided the day if I could. It was probably the third day I would put on the calendar uh, when they came out requesting it off. Yeah, well, fourth, day after Thanksgiving, some places, and yeah. the day after Christmas. Yeah, the day after Christmas it was a nightmare. I would try to avoid it as well when I worked in retail, just because it had less to do with the fact that it was busy and more to do with the behavior of the people who were shopping on that day. Well, another part of it for me was pure exhaustion because my family is big enough that there are multiple Christmas events. And I mean, some years between work parties and family parties, I've had as many as six or seven events in the six or six six or eight days before Christmas. And that that can be a little exhausting. No, why would you say that? Plus working full time. And of course, going to school full time at uh, at at some points. Fair enough, but as it relates to Boxing Day, well, even in hockey, if they played, it, it could be a put 'em up day. But since they're trying to cut hockey fighting out of hockey, and... but we are here as Christmas has happened. We hope that everybody has had their fill of of whatever dinner it is, because there's no real traditional dinner. I mean. You have roast, you have turkey, you have some people have ham. So we hope you had your fill of whatever it is you were eating today or yesterday. And definitely hope you got to see everyone you wanted to see and be with the people with all the people that you could. Absolutely. And now we are here to continue. And we are going to dive straight into the hockey. Um, Do we want to start with the funny stuff, the analysis stuff or the hot stuff? Since it's relevant, since it's relevant to the particular time frame, let's go with the hot stuff. Uh, uh, okay, I opened up the Twitter machine a couple of nights ago and discovered that the women's uh, IIHF U18 tournament had been canceled again. Now, canceled in IIHF parlance doesn't necessarily mean it's never going to happen. 
it just means that the current setup is completely scrapped and there's no ability to reschedule it as happened last year. It was canceled, moved to a later date. As many of the critics have pointed out and Chris noticed immediately just before the show, men's tournaments, the men's U18 tournament is still going on. Men's U18 tournament, the... The U20, which is... The U20, the... The U20 is honestly a different beast. Number one, adults. Almost everyone there is 18, 19, or 20. Yes. The U18 tournament, you occasionally have the odd 15-year-old, but mostly 16, 17s. Yes. And... Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that this... This whole tournament thing, and and it's enjoyable. It's nice to have a tournament going on after the holidays. It, it gives us a, a brief look at, at some of the youngsters who haven't been playing in the NHL at the, at the, up to this point. But it's not a good look. I understand why they're canceling. I understand time frames, and and maybe they couldn't get their tournament shut down or whatever it may be, but it, it's not a good look to shut down one and not the other. Um, yes, but it's happening and it's happening for the same reason it happened last year. And that's that there are two different countries hosting, uh, the men's and women's tournaments. Um, yes. in this case, uh, the IIHF decided that Sweden was not going to be able to meet the safety requirements for the players. um, and that wherever was hosting the men's, I believe it's Canada, who have a different standard, um, would be able to. And that's the reason for the cancellation. Now, but as you said, the argument that moving the tournament makes more sense immediately, like, but where to? And uh, logis- how are you going to schedule the times? I was going to say, logistically, that could be a lot more difficult because now you've got to rearrange time in, in different barns uh, and, in and wherever countries. issues and travel issues. Right. Uh, the different vaccination standards uh, and testing standards for whatever the new host, host nation might be. Um, I mean, you could use the pa- you could use this pause or whatever they want to call it cancellation, because like you said, it, it, cancellation in this parlance does not mean that it's never going to happen. And I fully expect the women's tournament to actually happen. When that will be, I don't know. Uh, I would assume, I think a safe guess is probably March um, after the Olympic tournament, because some of the women who are going to miss, uh, who who would be in this tournament may actually be in the Olympics. I was going to say, are the women actually playing? Because as we discussed, the the men are not going to be attending, or the NHL is not going to allow their players to go to the Olympics. Honestly, I haven't seen anything. I believe there will still be Olympic teams playing, which means they're going to be more college and junior and people playing internationally than NHL players. But um, how much of a how much of a grip? I mean, the NHL. And the NHLPA have a pretty strong grip over what the players can can and cannot do or what they will allow contractually. My question is how much of that 
type of grip does the 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 the, the PHF is that what it was? I'm still hockey, getting uh, professional hockey federation. Yes, I'm still getting used to the new uh, the new name. But the PHF, do they have that kind of control over their league and their women players that the NHL has over the men? I doubt it. I doubt it as well. That's why I'm. I mean, there's there's a couple of reasons for it. Some of which are purely financial. Some of which are just the way that the contracts are structured. Um, I think that the league could establish that level of control. But I don't think it would be good for it where there is still, in theory, a rival group, a rival uh, league. Um, and, and this all started because of Kendall Coyne's um, tweet that says, and, and she's clearly upset by this, you know, it says the IHF has prioritized held top division men's events during the pandemic, but the top division women's events canceled again. Unacceptable. I understand her frustration. I understand where she's coming from. But I think if like we're talking about here, I think if she takes a look at it from. And I don't want to say unbiased, I, I she is probably a little biased. I know I would be a little biased, too, in her position. But I think if you take a look at it from an outsider's perspective and just see that, like you said, there's two separate countries with hosting, there's different rules on how they handle pandemic situations. Correct. It's I, unfortunate. I don't like it any more than anyone else. Um, and Well, considering I, the level of talent that plays, I want to see them play, too. <laughs> absolutely. And I hope that they can I hope that whenever this is rescheduled and as I said, I think it will be that. Um, I firmly, I, I pretty firmly, I hope it, that, that it's going to happen at a time where it's not going to be, uh, overshadowed by one of the men's tournaments. Like I would love to be able to turn it on. Like ideally for me, perhaps the best time for this tournament to take place is that roughly week off between the end of the NHL regular season and the start of the playoffs. Like if they could manage that. Uh, for the reschedule, and I know that's really late in the year. I mean, in this, in this case, we're talking uh, at present, the NHL schedule is set to run through, what, May? Isn't that roughly the time that the uh, PHF would be playing their playoff games? Is I'm going to have to double-check that. But ideally, we want a time where it's not going to be overshadowed. Um, that would be, yeah, that would be that would be the ideal situation, whether it's... I don't remember when they, but when they played last year, it was during, and yeah, with the last couple of years have been completely discombobulated with scheduling and, and pauses and this and that, but they played it during a time when there was no men's hockey and they originally canceled it, but then they came back, what was it, like a week later and they actually played it and there was no, there was no other hockey on. It was like spotlight on that. It was brilliant. And I ended up um, watching see. Minnesota play Boston in the final on TV, on NBC Sports Network. I mean, actually, early May might actually work uh, because it looks like the it's like the regular season for the NHL runs through the end of April. So if you if you can reschedule it for that 
have it start the day after the regular season ends or maybe two days after, depending on, you know, your depending on the logistics of the whole thing. And you've got a period where people are hungry for hockey. And I think the more of the product that people that the average hockey fan gets to see. Or maybe maybe you do a double header <coughs> um, or you have the women's tournament lead, or the women's tournament opening game lead into an NHL game lead into a second game in the women's tournament. Um, so a full day of hockey, uh, that could be scheduled. That would be, that would be ideal. Like that's the, that is the gold standard to me. Looks like the regular season, uh, cause I did not remember is scheduled to end on the 29th. The last game to start of the season will be what is sure to be a very, very important Nashville versus Arizona game at 1030. Uh, PM Eastern time. If, well, Arizona, Arizona's race for 32 could be, uh, you know, could they be in may, jeopardy. Could be. They they may have to because the Kraken not looking so good. We t- we talked about that last week. Uh, but yeah, they may have to. They may need that game for the ability to give back two points to the Nashville Predators. And at this point, the Nashville Predators might actually need them to catch the Minnesota Wild for the lead in the Central Division. See? Works out well for everybody. There you go. <laughs> I actually managed to say that without laughing and incred- uh, from the I incredulous level of that statement. I tried. Because I, couldn't. I knew the Pacific Division was squishy. What in the world happened to the Central? I mean, aside from Winnipeg and Chicago and Dallas, um, well, let's see. failing to thrive. They've had a failing to thrive. That's a good way of putting it. And they've had a, a head coach resign. Uh, I'm, I mean, even Colorado is, I mean, Colorado doesn't have a terrible record. Um, they actually have the same points percentage as the Minnesota wild. And I think that will shake out in their favor towards the, as the season matures. But if I, if you, if I told you back on September 10th, on Boxing Day, the standings would show in the Central Division, the Colorado Avalanche in fourth, the Winnipeg Jets in fifth, the Dallas Stars in sixth. You would have asked me if I had a concussion. Yeah. If you had told me that Minnesota would be first in the Central, I'd be like, hmm. Maybe not. Uh, they actually aren't just first in the Central. They're first in the West. Which is uh, just, I think Maybe. it's a scary thought. Um, Considering. I mean, Vegas has finally woken up and climbed into first in the in the Pacific, which I guess is. Is that, sa- is that saying something? I mean, is that is that really something you want to brag about? Hey, we're first in the squishiest division in the, uh, the squishiest division since uh, since the old Northwest Division. Yeah, <laughs> the one that the Calgary that the absolute wet dog mess uh, Vancouver Canucks managed to managed to skate to a. Uh, division championship or 
a division win in for like five of six years. <laughs> With Vegas. Elaine as coach. Because I'm pretty sure that neither one of us had Anaheim in the top three in the Pacific. And that's as much as we like their young their young crew. I mean, they've got a very, very intriguing mix of young and old there. Um, there could be a bit of foreshadowing in this, so pay attention. Pay attention. <laughs> um, and I like what I've seen from that team. Like, I've seen two or three games in the last month or so uh, for the Ducks. This isn't happening by accident. It's not just happening because the rest of their division is garbage. I mean, you have them playing well, Vegas playing well, Calgary mostly playing well, and they have a plus 25 and 28 games. So, yeah, there's, there's, a re- there's probably a reason for that. But we redirected. They're not, it's, not, it's not just a product of other people's failings. It's their own, their own strengths. We redirected, though, uh, to put a bow on the, on the women's tournament. Which on is the what women's tournament, about. yes. So ideally, ideally play in that window where they will have the spotlight on them. And make sure that they get the support from the rest of the hockey community. Um, oh, absolutely. Because no one likes... No one likes seeing anything that they enjoy canceled for these young women participating in this tournament or aiming to participate in this tournament. This is very much a part of their identity, their day to day life, much worse for them than it is for us. I, I still firmly believe it's going to happen, and I hope none of them get sidetracked by the current disappointment. As do I. I mean, it, it, ultimately, when they do start, when they do play, and I, I believe that they will get these this tournament in. I don't think that this is, uh, as we said, as it happened last year. You know, I, I don't think they're going to not play it. But canceling one, not the other. I understand that it, it, it optically, it doesn't look good. So, get it played. Get it in a window where they're going to get the focus and get the support from the hockey community, the NHL, the IHF, whoever, you know, and build, it, like the, build it up. It looks like the, uh, the premier hockey federation, not professional. Um, it looks like they end their season on March 13th, uh, Minnesota Whitecaps and Metropolitan Riveters. Um, I think that there's a lot that's a lot that's going that's going to happen. I don't know when things will get rescheduled, mm-hmm. but uh, I do know that I need to find a way to get into um, a Boston Pride game and maybe even take a trip to Connecticut for the whale. Buffalo is slightly further than I want to go, as are Toronto and. Uh, Toronto. Well, you have to cross the border for that whole Toronto thing. So. Yeah, that's not happening this year. 
what is this about McKean's hockey and their prediction palooza? Ah, I uh, since we're I like talking IAHF. This is this is regarding the men's tournament, and for everyone who needs uh, who has a good circle of friends they want to talk hockey with uh, during the tournament. Here's your opportunity to sound to sound like you're uh, in a hundred locker rooms a season. Um, they they voted on there's votes between the McKean staff on where they think each or who's going to get gold, silver, and bronze. All star predictions, uh, players of the uh, play, uh, players of the tournament. So defense, goaltender forwards um breakout the breakout list is actually fairly interesting um i'm somewhat bemused that uh luke hughes got only a single vote uh for defense um and mitchkoff hey we talked about this kid which one matt van mitchkoff can mitchkoff really be a breakout player we talked about him two weeks ago huh funny how that happens Almost like we know what's going on. Another, um, some, another individual with the last name of Bork. No relation. Uh, but there's breakdowns for each team. Um, perhaps the one that I find most surprising is who will be the tournament's most surprising team. And McKean's has Slovakia. Um, they think... Uh, uh, Brock Otten of the of McKean's. I really do think Slovakia has a chance to finish higher than the U.S. in Group B. Their team is crazy young, which can be tough to project at this tournament. However, look at the success the young German team had last year. The Slovak team is very talented. The key will be goaltending. Can Elias or Lads Cozy uh, provide the stability that they need? I think it's possible. That's a statement. It is a statement. That is a really big statement, and I love it. Um, uh, somebody who said uh, surprise of the tournament, Sweden. I don't know if Sweden gets to fall under the radar anymore, but. No. Um, hot take is that Swedes run the table in the round robin despite being in the harder of the two pools. Now, running the uh, tables in either poll would be a really impressive feat. Uh, if it can be done, it's certainly worth talking about. Um, but Slovakia is the runaway winner. Sweden gets mentioned. Austria gets mentioned. Uh, Germany gets mentioned. And... The United States? Again, do they get to do they get to be listed as some sort of surprise? No, because when you I mean, let's just jump up and let's just go into the medal voting because it's simple and provides a little bit of clarity um, simply because it's well outside what we get to study every day. Um, so voting for. Um, we'll start with the bronze. There were six votes for Finland Four votes for Russia, one vote for U.S., and one vote for Sweden. So, theoretically, I guess, maybe, kind of, looking only at the bronze, 
you could vote. You could say that U.S. and Sweden could could be the could be the surprise of the tournament. Okay. Until you jump up to silver, where the votes are USA five, Sweden four, Canada three. So that's uh, six total votes for USA to medal, and five total votes for Sweden to medal. That, mm-hmm. That's with eleven votes per medal for those not keeping track at home. Um, or 12, rather. 12 votes per medal. And then um, for gold, uh, the votes came out 8 Canada, 3 Sweden, 1 Russia. Which kind of means that Sweden is expected to medal. That's how I take it, because I was just writing down um, only Sweden... Only Sweden. Only Sweden listed for all three. Yeah. Um, So... Great. Uh, Sweden hasn't been there in the last few years. I am perfectly okay with them storming, uh, storming to the top of the tournament. Um, Canada, I do occasionally wonder how much bias there is simply because there's that many more Canadians uh, in scouting and writing roles, but it's okay. Uh, They do have good teams pretty, uh, pretty steadily. So was there a total, like, were there eight people voting or something? Because it says... Uh, for gold, it's eight, three, and one. So 12 uh, for Can- uh, Canada, Sweden, and Russia. Okay. Looks like there were 12 voting for each of the three. Uh, I mean, USA only got a total of six medal votes. So. Okay, so 12 people voting, eight of them voted for Canada, and then... Nobody, nobody voted for Canada to get a bronze medal. So no, they, they're either gold or silver, apparently, with eleven total votes. Interesting. Um, the tournament all-star prediction is actually probably indicative. Uh, I mean, seven votes for Cole Perfetti of Canada. Both Alexander Holtz and William Eklund of Sweden have five. Uh, I don't know if they took votes away from each other or not. Um, Matty Bernier's uh, of uh, of the USA had four. Joachim Kamel of Finland had three. Mason McIntosh had two. And McTavish. McTavish, no sorry. Um, and then the rest of the names I'm going to run through really, really quickly and probably mangle at least two. Um had one vote apiece. Uh, Matt Coronado, USA. Oscar Olusen, uh, Sweden. Fabian Lysel, Sweden. Uh, Matt V. Michkov, Russia. Xavier Borgalt, uh, Canada. Maverick Fork, Canada. Jake Neighbors, Canada. Kent Johnson, Canada. Anurat Kuznitkovov. Kuznitkovov. Enough. That sounds way better. Um, from Russia, all having one vote. So first, first of all, since the, there's a bunch of people listed with single votes, one of them is oh wait, a Bruins prospect. Yes. Um, between the single votes and Matty Benyers, two of these players are from the University of Michigan. Shocking. <laughs> uh, and one of them. Once again, that name pops up, Matt Van Mitchkoff. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, 
I still believe that I, I genuinely believe that in a two out of three tournament, uh, the Michigan Michigan might actually be able to beat uh, both Arizona or or <laughs> Seattle this season. Not lying. Wait, Owen Power wasn't listed somewhere as a as a oh because he's he a defenseman. Is listed, he's a defenseman. Um, that that list is much shorter. Uh, there's only what five or eight players who got votes at all, which tells you how little defense is paid attention to, and it makes me very very sad inside. Um, Simon so Edvinson of Sweden, seven votes. Owen Power, Canada, five. Jake Sanderson, U.S., five. Topi Nimella, Finland, four. Um, and then receiving a single vote, Caden Goulet, Canada, Luke Hughes, U.S., That's and four. Simon uh, Nemec, uh, Slovakia. Not n- Needless to say, the University of Michigan has the highest percentage of opportunity to have an MVP yeah. of this tournament. <laughs> and apparently only three goaltenders count this, this year. Well, they're the only three that were... I mean, got votes, yeah. Yeah. Jesper Wallstead of Sweden, uh, six votes. Yaroslav Askarov of Russia. And Sebastian Kossa of Canada. Um, we mentioned uh, Topi Nemela a, few, a moment ago. He is uh, one of the top players uh, to get, uh, or one of the top players talked about for uh, breakout player mm-hmm. tournament. Uh, the best of my knowledge, he is undrafted, which means uh, he might well get called uh, really, really soon. Nah. Just a hunch. Really? I do not remember his name being called. Uh, and I did watch... Well, if he's not drafted, I mean, the whole thing with the goaltenders, all three of them were taken last draft. Oh, I know he was drafted the year before in 2020. Who, Toby? Yes. And he belongs to who? The Toronto Maple Leafs, who will make marvelous (laughs) as they always do. Wait, wait, wait. They drafted a defenseman? Third round, 64th overall. Uh, he is playing this year in um, Carpat uh, for SM Liga. 31 mm-hmm. games played, 24 points with 6 and 18. Um, not in any way terrible. Okay. Particularly not when he's the second leading scorer on that team. No, well, now I know why Toronto drafted him. Jasper Wallstead. He was, I mean, the big thing with Jasper Wallstead is that he was, it was either him or Kosa that were going to be taken. And obviously the Detroit Red Wings decided to go with Kosa. Uh, It depends on who you read with these two guys, which one is the better goaltender, which one has more upside when they get to the higher levels of, of hockey, you know, being the NHL. Mm-hmm. I, I, watching them, I thought Wallstead was a better a better goaltender, but Kosa definitely has skills. I mean, it, 
I don't think you go wrong with either one of these guys. It, clearly, the voters feel that Wallstead's going to take over uh, with him getting six out of the 12 votes. But that's. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, Askarov the, was. I, I, I can't wait to watch the tournament. I will be out this afternoon after we record, but I hope to be home in time. I better be home in time for uh, the USA-Slovakia uh, game. Um, and that should be a whole bunch of fun. Um, there's not other hockey on, ladies and gentlemen, so... This is your opportunity. Dive and on in. Future stars are there. And, and like I said, and that's what I was saying, this is usually where I... For me, this is kind of like the kickoff. I mean, I look at prospects during the year, but this is kind of like the kickoff for me as to really diving in and, and getting the opportunity to see a lot of the, the up-and-comers. Some of them already have been drafted, and you know, might get to see a couple that are that are draft eligible. But this is where I kind of – this is really my kickoff. Absolutely. Um <clears throat> Somehow we always manage to find a story that's completely ridiculous <laughs> and um, somehow on a pretty regular basis, it involves the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, in Kayla Douglas's uh, recap of the Jack Eichel saga, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a story regarding a potential trade to the Anaheim Ducks for Jack Eichel. And I got um, halfway into the sentence to where the first name was mentioned and said, ah, no, 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 no. And got to the second name and nearly fell out of my chair, attempting to laugh hysterically and actually faint at the level of insanity. In it, I understand. I understand when I when I read this, my first thought was, okay, I understand that Kevin Adams got thrashed publicly and embarrassed publicly when Don Sweeney managed to get Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for Bjork in a second. I'm not a hundred percent sure that was a great thrashing because one, he didn't have any leverage. Yeah, but he still no. He still took a lot of he still took a lot of heat. That was I, I understand that he didn't have the leverage in that deal, but it almost seems like this deal he was trying to make up for it or something like. Which you really can't do. You just end up backing yourself into a worse position. We haven't even actually mentioned what the deal was. I'm sure some people know what the deal or, so or the perceived two names, deal. Two names and then two first round picks on top of them. Okay, now, so two 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 current two two members on the current roster and two yeah, draft picks. They are picks. on the roster now. I think I believe at the time that this was this trade was speculated that it was probably before uh, before even uh, before the season started. Okay, uh, and certainly well before the trade itself. Um, but so two first round picks. Anytime you're talking to me about two first round picks. The player or the return has to be really, really strong. Particularly when 
on paper, the Anaheim Ducks should have been not quite this good um, going into the season. This was the foreshadowing part, by the way. And you look at the two players, mm-hmm. Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale. <laughs> so and the, the answer should immediately be no to either one of them. So forget, the, forget, forget the, the additional first round picks. You know mm-hmm. what you have in Trevor Zegras. You have watched him demolish competition at every level he's played. You've watched Jamie Drysdale look entirely in the right place at every level. And so hold so, on. No, no, hold on. Okay, okay, okay. And both of these players have not had neck injuries. Neck injuries are a little bit scary. A little bit scary. So you want two blue chippers, healthy ones for, let's face it, Jack Eichel is kind of disgruntled and a little injured. Mm-hmm. Two blue chippers and potentially two more blue chippers for an injured dude. So, are you, what else are you throwing in that deal for me? <laughs> and that's before you get into considerations of the salary, because Zegris and uh, Drysdale are still on their entry-level contracts, which means you're paying the two of them about a fifth of what you're paying, or less than a fifth of what you're paying Eichel. I was going to say a fifth would be two million bucks. <laughs> so, combined, they're making, combined, oh wait, no, combined they could come close, probably like 1.8. Yeah. So, it's of zero surprise to me that this trade didn't happen. And so, <laughs> of zero surprise to me that it took so long for any trade to happen. So, it, it, I and and uh, no, Elliot Elliot Friedman. The quote here from Elliot Friedman is: <clears throat> "I heard what the Sabers asked Anaheim for was." Zegras, Trevor Zegras, Drysdale, Jamie Drysdale, and two first-rounders. Anaheim wasn't willing to do that. What what Friedman forgot to say here, or purposely left out, was that Jeff Solomon didn't get a chance to say no because he was too busy laughing hysterically at Kevin Adams on the phone when Kevin Adams suggested this. I don't know what else he could have done except, I don't know, hang up without responding. Uh, is there some um, kind of meme he could have sent or, or a GIF oh, that with laughing that, faces or something? I think I that there is like a couple of dozen GIFs, at, you know, stretching all the way back to um, Star Trek Next Generation uh, group face palms and, you know, Everything uh, up to the latest TikTok crazes. I mean, just wow. Wow and no. So so Zegers is 20. <clears throat> At the yep. time of this writing. Uh, just a week or so ago. Zegers has 38 points in 54 career games. Yep. Jamie Drysdale, 19-year-old. 
potential to be top two a defenseman. He has 22 points in 56 career games, and he's averaged third most ice time among all Ducks skaters this season. 19. Did Kevin Adams honestly expect that he was going to get this deal to go through? I mean. And this is, again, where I question how much is the general manager and how much is the ownership? If this were Kevin Adams in a vacuum, I would be willing to say. Yeah, Kevin's got his head up his tuckus and. uh, There's not much to be done except for move on. But let's look at all of the movement in that roster or in that team, in that organization. And since, <laughs> since the current you, ownership took over, you started the, you started the, at the highest on ice level, uh, that of the head coach and they've replaced how many head coaches in, what is it? Six in the last five years or something like that. Six or seven. They, they've used more head coaches than anyone else in the time period. It's, more than a little gross. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, they might as well use a sticky note uh, on the on the head coach's office door because none of them should expect to be there for two full seasons. So you don't get that that fancy one that's engraved that you kind of slide into the holder on the door and slide it off, or maybe you no get the etched glass. No etched glass, just uh, just a sticky note, possibly okay. spelled right. That's if they actually stop to look and make sure that, you know, they got the spelling correct the first time around. Yeah. Maybe they can just start hiring a bunch of coaches who have the same last name. Like, that's it. Well, they've got one Granado. There's at least two more out there. They'd have to maybe, steal. They'd have to steal Cammy away from. Yeah, maybe Cammy can take over next. Well, she's kind of got a job. She's scouting for Seattle. So does she want to come back out of the front office and go behind the bench? Hey, you know, she'd be the first woman to coach an NHL team. That's true. Very true. And can you pry uh, the other Granado? Terrible with first names today. But. If I'm not mistaken, he's still coaching at the University of Wisconsin. Do you really want to, I mean, at some point, yeah, I suppose the next step logically would be to go into the NHL or some sort of professional ranks. But Don Granado? Don. I thought Don was the coach of, or is that Dom? I'm terrible with first names today. Uh, There's a Don Granado. Um, Yes. He's the coach uh, and former player. Uh, Okay. He is. I'm terrible. No, Don Granado was the current. That's the Don Don Granado is the one. Yeah. Why am I drawing a blank on. on, uh, Anyway, Tony Granado. Thank you. Yes. Head coach, University of Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. Still. Uh, yes. Yeah. But it's Buffalo and it's the Pagulas and they go through head coaches like most people go through toilet well, paper. 
and, and don't forget that Tony has four children. So you got four more future coaches right there. Oh, the, oh, the pipeline is strong for the Pagulas then. And they'd never have to change the last name on the door. You don't put a first name. You just put Granado up. Coach Granado right there. Boom. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just I don't understand Kevin Adams. I mean, he ended up getting Peyton Krebs and uh, Alex Tuck. And unfortunately, Alex is hurt. But Alex Tuck is a good player, played at BC. We got to see him a lot. Um, he's big and fast. I mean, we're not talking McDavid fast, but he's big and fast. He's 6'4", 215 or something, or 6'3", 215. Great hands, too. Oh, yes. Um, so it's not like they didn't get a good haul in return, plus they got a protected first-rounder. And in a recent the, trade, uh, he also... Well, in that uh, trade for Paul, he did pick up Anders Bjork, mm-hmm. who is one of a number of players traded out of the Bruins organization recently. A good segue. Who, uh, just playing are better elsewhere. Is there uh, a reason we'll get, for that? We're going to get into that in a second. Okay. Um. You roll down to the per the per 60 uh, information on players and the miscellaneous stats, because I think this is where it gets easier to tell the difference between teams um, and the same player. Uh, Anders Bjork, he went his goals per 60 are better in Buffalo, a truly terrible team. Um, And that's with him playing. Really about the same amount of ice time. Um, he's, let's see, his, uh, what's the other interesting stat? He went from uh, 1230 to 1404 of average ice time in Buffalo. Um, so, so he's getting slightly more ice time per night. He's getting very slightly more ice time. His shooting percentage went from 11.8 to 15.2. Neither is anything to be sneered at. There are a lot of guys scoring 20-plus goals um, in the league who don't have a 15 or even a, a near 12 uh, shooting percentage. Um, and, again, this is one of the worst teams in the league. Like, Hands down, one of the three or four worst teams in the entire NHL. It was when he got there. It is now. It will probably be next year as well. Um, and then there's equally um, equally curious is Danton Heinen. In fact, even more curious because Danton Heinen, I looked at him. I watched him play here in Boston. I watched uh, some of his pre-NHL games Um and I said, okay, you've got a, you basically got EJ Axelson 2.0. Very similar player. That, that, yes. was, that was the comparison. Um, you know who the most similar forward they're comparing him to on hockey references it's a player who the two of us have scrapped over having on their fantasy team the last four or five years. Uh-huh. Gabriel Peugeot. 
Yeah, okay. So they're saying that he's a really good two-way player. And, mm-hmm. and okay. J.G. Peugeot is the active player. John McClain hasn't played in a little while, um, so I did skip him. But, uh, he, I mean, John McClain hasn't played since uh, Danton Heinen was, what, seven? <laughs> not uh, Maybe not even that old. Something um, in that neighborhood, yes. Yeah, six or seven years old. Heinen was born in 95, and McLean uh, last played in 2002. So Danton Heinen has gone on from the Boston Bruins uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he, I mean, he really, he started out, his best year was his first full season. And then he went down from there. And if you look at the advanced stats for him. This year he's trending back up, though. He's trending back up. In fact, he's on pace for a at least a 20-goal season with 10 goals, 23 points in 30 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and he did a lot of that scoring before Sidney Crosby got back on. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's uh, wrong player. He's got nine goals. And 14 points in uh, 30 games, which again still puts him on pace for a 20 goal season, uh, with a little bit of, with allowing with time for a little bit of a slump. Um, he was probably one of the most prolific scorers for the team in that first couple of weeks. He's played on two separate teams since he left uh, Boston. Did um, not have a great time of it in Anaheim. Did not have. Not really, no. Um, it, it, the 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 last couple of years being what they were, but yeah, he still hasn't had a great seven goals, fourteen points in forty three games. Eh, he's aver- this year he's actually averaging the lowest average time on ice that he's had in his whole career. It, it's and still being productive. Like his his it, goals per game are twice what they were in Boston. Mm-hmm. His points per game are, slight, are right around the same. Um, his plus minus is his plus minus is as good as it's ever been. Um, and let's face it, Pittsburgh is not as good a team as Boston. They're not. Yeah, they're not. Um, let's see. Uh, so we have, and then. Then there's Donato, then there's the younger Donato, who I almost called by the elder's name because that's the sort of day I'm having. Ryan, Ryan Donato. Ryan Donato has played on three teams since he left Boston. Minnesota, San Jose, and the spectacular Seattle Kraken. Um Is this a situation where they is this a situation where they couldn't find him a home here in Boston, or is this a situation where here in Boston he was distracted, or because he's been better in all three places than he was here. Three separate coaches, and the metrics are better. Like they're all they're all roughly half point per game players in their current uniforms. Okay. Boston, but he and this is a guy who got a chance to play 
with the enormous distractions of Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, <laughs> David Krejci. Um, you had Tori Krug his first year here. You had um, – who was the other one? Oh, David Pasternak, Brad Marsh, and you had all sorts of other players who are going to be the guys that are game plan for. Gonna mm-hmm. be. No way around it. He gets to Seattle – and offensively, you have meh. I'm not even sure you have meh because legitimately, we watched the expansion draft. Um, as, as we've said many times, where are the goals coming from? Yes, Jordan Eberle can score. Yes, Yanni Gord could Eberle, score. And that's really it. Yanni Gord could score, but he was on Tampa Bay, so it became a, a, was it a smoke and mirror show, or did he actually have the scoring talent? I think he does have the scoring talent. So you got Everly and Gord, and that's it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Ryan some Donato of the other has, players. Ryan Donato has the fourth most goals on that team. <laughs> There's no one. I mean, and every and except for and except for Jared McCann, who somehow is tied for 12 goals in the lead. All of them have played less games than he has. More games than he has. Brandon Tanev has played three more games. Jordan Eberle has played one more game and has 12 goals and is the guy we expected to, you know, be near the top. Right. What, what is the, what is the common denominator here? Uh, particularly when you take these three, these three forwards and you add in Dan Vladar. Now for Vladar, the sample size is a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dan Vladar goes from here to Calgary, mm-hmm. who lost their captain, guy who all-star, Norris Trophy, blue liner extraordinaire. Uh, they lost them to Seattle. And guess what happens? The numbers are better. And not just slightly better ridiculously better Mm -hmm. in his 20 in in his games here in Boston, Dan Vladar somehow managed to end up with an 886 save percentage, which would have been perfectly enough to keep you employed in like 1988 in the NHL. Skip one year ahead in more games. He's in Calgary. What's his save percentage now? 928. That's about a 0.050 swing. Uh, a 0.040 swing in his save percentage. He's got he's, his goals against is a 2.10, and he's got two shutouts in his seven starts. Even even the adjusted goals against average, 2.24. And he has an assist, by the way. Has an assist. And the assist is really interesting because it means he's communicating and reading plays well. And, and mm-hmm. likely trusted to actually get involved in the play. Um... <clears throat> Four players who have gone to like seven <coughs> different teams 
since yeah. being voted off the island. And all of them are doing better. All of them. Only one of them is actually playing on a team that you can look at right now and say is clearly better than the Boston Bruins. And that's and and, and this is not to say that, you know, I've been I've been hard on them because I didn't want them to trade Blader. I was deeply disturbed that they traded Dan Blader. And I thought that they um, <clears throat> avoided their bowels on Danton Heinen way too often. Yes. Ryan Donato didn't really give them much. Off. I got the impression when when Ryan Donato was here that he wasn't. I don't giving... know that he wanted to be here. I think he was playing to. I think he was playing well. Is it didn't I want to play for Boston or didn't want to be around his dad? I think there may be a combination, a little bit of column A, and a little bit of column B there. Being on but, the West Coast, his dad has no effect because his dad played his career here in Boston uh, and, and on the East Coast. I don't think his dad played West Coast at all. There really weren't nearly as many West Coast teams when his dad played. I just get the feeling. I, I don't know. I just got the feeling that there was something about him. He was distracted. He, 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 he almost struck me as the type of player that needed to be somewhere else. Where he was wasn't didn't working. He didn't want to be in his hometown. Uh, Ted played one season for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Oh, he did get all that. And one season for the, well, he played two games for the Kings and two games for the Blues. Does that count? <laughs> um, oh, he did play 65 games for the Stars. But yes, yeah, but they're Midwest. I'm talking. Mississippi. Um, I, I don't blame with this sort of pattern emerging and you can't, this is just the most recent data points. When you take this and something else that we're going to talk about in a minute and put them together with the fact that you have a head coach Mm -hmm. who spent 13 years in the AHL. 13 in a row as a coach after a not good term, uh, a not great tenure with the Washington Capitals. He spent three years uh, with the Washington Capitals. uh, Oh, three, 2002, actually two years. Uh, Not even two years, honestly. Wow. He had 107 games. As Washington Capitals head coach. Yeah, it was not a good tenure from my understanding. 39-29-8 and in his first season, lost in the first round. 8-16-1 in his abbreviated second season. Boy, that that making the playoffs in your first year didn't give him much leash. Uh, Nope, nope it didn't. And then he toiled in Providence. Then he was... In the OHL for two years, so went from assistant coach in Chicago down to the OHL. Was there for wow. Um, so he was thirty-one, thirty, and oh, oh, and seven in his first year at, with the Kingston Frontiacs, or Frontenacs, and lost in the first round. And then in 
the 07-08 season in 12 games, he was 2-9-0-1 with 8.208 points percentage. Well, that'll get you fired. <laughs> then he spent three years uh, as assistant head coach in Providence. And in his time as head coach, never got out of the second round. Never. Lost in the first round his first year. Lost in the second round his second year. Lost in the second round his third year. Lost in the fourth. Uh, lost in the first round his fourth year. Lost in the first round his fifth year. And then got and promoted. Then he gets promoted to assistant coach. <laughs> yes. And somehow takes over as head coach um, and, play, you, and leads for 27 games. Because you fire this. Because you fire, the, you fire this. You promote him again and you fire the Stanley Cup winning head coach. But, but guess what happened in the playoffs? Oh, they lost in the second round. No, they lost in the first round that year. Oh, OK. And then they lost in the second round the next year. And they lost in the finals the year after that. And they lost in the third round and lost in the second round. Um, they've got. They're outside playoff position right now. <clears throat> they are. They are. And he's still head coach. He is. And the guy who picked him and the guy who moved on from all the four players that we talked about. They both still have jobs. They, they, the they, they do. They do. Um, and these are, of course, we've talked about the 2015 draft. Oops. Oh, goodness. We've talked about that a lot. We've talked about the players who were available in the last two seasons who the Boston Bruins didn't get. We've talked about the players they let go. Talked about the players we wanted them to get. Talked about the players we wanted to get. But even just limiting it to players who there was active discussion from NHL insiders saying that the Bruins were involved in. Oh, you mean like OEL and... Yandel and Dvorak um, and and then the players that they never made attempts on who I'm sorry Seth Jones Seth, Seth Jones, Jones. How, Seth do you, it, how, how do you a lot of problems how do you not okay you are a you are a a, a, a what is it the, the, you are a six uh, you are original six team original six team you are a in Arguably one of the top markets in the United States, whether it's second, third or whatever, you know, because New York is first as far as television markets or whatever. Even just even forget the rest of sports from a hockey standpoint, you're one of the top five markets. That's what I'm talking about. Don't care how you order them. It's in no particular order. Boston, Boston, Toronto, Montreal. Um, probably Chicago, and then New York. In no particular order, I don't care. We How can make you arguments for being in there. We can make arguments for. Um, How do you not? But make after an that, no. How do you like, not even make an attempt? I mean, it's one thing to go. Okay, we tried. We lost out. How well, do you I not even? Was available. Yeah. How's he doing this year, by the way? I think he's uh, a little bit hot. Just a little bit. A little bit? Just a little, a little bit. Are we sure? I may have to check this out just to see for myself because... Vladimir Tarasenko. 
he is uh, 12, 17, 29 in 31 games. Oh, look, he's only tied for the lead with his in, on his team in points. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Three game no winners. Has more goals, but hey. Three game winners. Mm. Uh, and instead of going out and getting a second a 2C. Well, he's still. Don't get me wrong. Sweeney is still convinced that Krejci's coming back. So he's also convinced that, and he's also convinced that uh, Rask is going to be a available and be useful <laughs> because Rask's playoff record says that he wins things. Well, if you didn't have the money to chase after Seth Jones, Tarasenko, or keep Tory Krug, yeah, keep Tory Krug. Where are you going to come up with the cash to get the elite? I'm doing air quotes. The elite to Garask. Because he's not signed. Everybody talks like he's, you know, he's in Boston. Yeah, he's practicing on the ice, and but he's got to pay them for ice time. He doesn't just get to. He's not a member of the team. He's not in the organization. He is a free agent. Anybody can sign him right now. And, of course, Nobody. David Krejci has repeatedly stated he's not coming back. <laughs> he's had his agent make the statement. He's made the statement. <laughs> I don't know how many other people he has to get to stand up in front of a microphone and go, David Krejci is not returning. I'm not taking any questions right now. Goodbye. <laughs> the man can't say it. He said it in multiple languages, too, I believe. Maybe he needs like his pastor or uh, maybe his wife needs to come on uh, on television and say, David's not allowed to come back and play in Boston. Or, you know what? Maybe the head of state, uh, maybe the head of state could just tear up David Craigie's passport and say, you're not getting a new one. There you go. Done deal. Then maybe Sweeney's will uh, believe us and believe him. They'll put him on a no-fly list. <laughs> I don't know if that would work. I, I mean... Well, then he could still get on a boat and come back here, or... or yeah, get on no. a boat, um, and then when he's when he's back in the U.S., he can take trains everywhere. Or buses, <laughs> or, you know, maybe have a limo drive him around. Stop. Crazy. Not coming back. Do we, have coming to, back. do we have to get Sweeney into a room and beat this into him? Um, well, don't forget, he went to Harvard. Um, so, 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 he, so theoretically, he is a smart individual. That's what we're told. So why doesn't he recognize these things? Like Krejci not coming back. Like, hey, maybe you go after a Seth Jones because here's a generational player that might be able to help a team on the blue line when you're – Top tier blue liners are Brandon Carlo, who I like, um, Matt Grizzlick, who I like, Seth Jones, still better than both of them, and the other guy, yeah. And well, there's that Hall of Famer kid. I don't know. That, yeah, and of that course, one, we, of course, we still have John Moore, though. We, we do have John Moore, who okay. is incredible. Yes. I mean, or no, wait, it's incredible that we still have him. That's there you go. Um, 
jumping jumping back to uh, the Premier Hockey yeah, Federation, um, saw a tweet that uh, is wonderfully heartwarming from the Connecticut Whale, um, Mariah Fuji Fujimargi, uh, Magari. After two years of separation, was reunited at a game uh, with her brother, her younger brother, and dad um, while they were on a stop in Buffalo. Uh, there's a picture of uh, of the of Mariah and her brother, uh, jerseys to uh, jerseys to the camera, smiling over their shoulders, and it gotta admit it's sort of cute. I think it's pretty cool. I mean the the. To be able to come back around, I mean, it, you got one playing, and I don't even know where the brother is playing. I don't know if he's a player or not. That might be her old number. I would have to look that up. I, regardless, uh, I just think it's really cool that, it, you know, you get a chance to, to reunite, get to a home game, see everybody. Two years apart for is, it's a long it's a time. Long time. That is a long time. Um, nope, that's definitely not a younger brother. Um, the only other player in Hockey DB with that is actually an older named Josh, and he appears to be about three years older. Oh, okay. My apologies, I was incorrect. I don't and know a yes. lot about the Fujimagaris. Uh And yes, for those of you who haven't actually dived into it, uh, Hockey DB, a, set, a site I use at least twice a week, does actually have um, a lot of the women's hockey players uh, who have made it pro in there. Um, I don't. It doesn't look like they have college ranks yet, but um, absolutely fantastic to see. Uh, makes the site even more useful. Um, and of course, technology always paces our lives and uh, brings about new things. Um, mm. We mentioned last week on the show, uh, Marissa in Jemmy's uh, column, uh, totaling all of the uh, COVID cases. Oh yeah, that's right. And Very this helpful. week she tweeted, uh, or recently she tweeted that the uh, Seattle Kraken are going to, actually be um are, are going to actually reveal their own nft um mascot and it's going to have a highly limited number of owners um for more on nfts uh they are non-fungible uh tokens they're sort of uh, virtual collectibles um and beyond that um outside the scope of the show. Interesting to see. I wonder if we're going to see NFT trading cards and things like that uh, in the future and which league is going to jump on it first um, and how well they're going to do it. So wait, they're going to reveal... I mean, Nickelodeon's already revealed their their mascot. That may have happened after the, that probably happened after that tweet. No, no, no. It's been on TV for years. There's a guy named Squidward on SpongeBob SquarePants. 
no comment. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think. Okay, so the flyers who aren't actually an animal or anything else came up with Harrier, Wiggy, or whatever his name is. Um, Fighty, Griffy, Tuppy. Gritty. I don't know his name. Gritty, thank you. That, there yes. is. One of the yeah. most overexposed mascots in the history of mascots. But I understand that the Bruins have Blade, and it makes sense because he's a bear, and the Bruin, a Bruin is a bear. That one makes sense to me. <clears throat> but the, it's not like the Montreal Canadiens have like a big CH or whatever that logo is running around the stand, the stands. And it, you know, if you don't have I mean, in the Kraken's case, is it, it, it's sort of an animal, but are you going to have somebody running around in a suit with eight tentacles or some sort of uh, big octopus-looking thing? I, I mean, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Yep. I'm wrong. Usually. I just uh, – I don't know. I, I – I don't even know what NFTs are, and I like to think of myself as a, 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 you know, that I'm in the 21st century, but I have no idea what NFTs are. I watch TV, and they say they're selling things NFTs, and they're doing this, and it's like, what is an NFT? I have no idea what an NFT is. And uh, interesting, I ran a poll uh, this week on Twitter. It wasn't a super serious poll, only ran it for a day. Um, what does your NHL team need for the holidays? There were four, uh, four categories, of course. Mm-hmm. Better GM slash uh, head coach, better pro scouts, better drafting, or new owner. Surprisingly, new owner did not actually uh, win. Surprisingly, it was not better general manager or head coach. Um, it was better drafting, which. The odd. OK, the odd part about the better drafting. Is you generally need a better GM. You need. Well, no, you need the one above it. You need better pro scouts. Or better amateur. Or better amateur better scouts. Amateurs, yeah. Yeah. And yes, then you need better GM. You need better GM head coach so they make the correct decisions. So better drafting isn't really an option. It's more of a result. It's more of the it, it, the the whole cause and effect thing. It's more the effect than it is cause. I mean, in order to have better drafting, you have to have other things first. That I mean, generally does sound uh, sound right. So, um, I, I mean, I agree. We need, you know, in the case of the Bruins, they need to draft better. They need to draft better. Uh, apparently, they need to develop with more patience or maybe more allowance for the players' individual skills and knowledge of their own abilities. Uh, okay. Which brings us back to a story that was all over Twitter Christmas Eve. Um. Another stalwart of the 2015 NHL draft, uh, Zach Senishin, who one of us was higher on than the other, uh, has requested a trade. Well, there's a shock. 
Um, basically, he feels he hasn't been allowed to show the way that he can play, which is either no. true because he hasn't looked good in the NHL. Okay. Or he doesn't have the greatest appreciation for his actual level of impact. There is a third option here, and I'm not saying you're going to think what you're going to think. So I can say this for everybody else's benefit, not necessarily yours. There is a third option here because, as we just discussed with Ryan Donato, Dan Vladar, Danton Heinen, Anders Bjork, um, they've gone elsewhere and are succeeding is he correct in his estimation that he's not being I I can honestly admit that I was hoping for more from Zach Senishin when they drafted him I didn't think he should have been drafted 15th I think that was extremely long reach I, but at the same point in time at the same point in time I thought there was more offensive upside, which I haven't seen, but he also has not been called up. The thing is, again, where the whole cause and effect, you need to perform to be called up. And there are other players ahead of you in line that are playing better than you. They're going to get the call up. But he feels that his game is ready. And it says right here, quote, I feel like my game has gotten to that level where I'm ready to play and I'm ready to make an impact. But the way the Bruins organization has been going, it just doesn't seem like I'm in the mix. He's not wrong. I don't think he's wrong. That being Uh, said, can he go somewhere else and succeed? I think that if he goes somewhere that's not a top five NHL market, it's possible. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to be a 30-40 goal scorer. No. But I think he can achieve higher than what he is going to get in the Bruins organization. And hardly achieve lower. Ouch. Facts are facts. I mean, this season he's where like ninth in scoring for the Bruin for the P Bruins. Um no, he's third. I'm sorry. That's that was an exaggeration. But other players, Oscar Steen, have been called up this year, not him. Jesper Froden has been called up in his first year. Um, Cameron Hughes has played. Um, Studnika has uh, done the uh, shuttle run back and forth. Studnika is um, another one. I'm sorry. I, I, Studnika, I think they're... I would like a fresh start for Boston. You would like a fresh start for Studnika in Boston? I would like a fresh start for the Boston Bruins. Ah. Meaning? Um, everyone below ownership can, uh, on the leadership side, can take a hike. Nice. That's, um, I, from what I've seen, and we've now had how many years of, uh, of the Sweeney's? Six years, seven years, is it? Six years and seven months. There you go. And six I was trying days. to do the math, yeah. 
for Don Sweeney. Do I think that this team is in better shape than it was when he took over in May of 2015? My answer? No. So I, I, I do have one more thing to point out on this article very briefly. <clears throat> Seneshin's agent is Andy Scott of Octagon Hockey. Who Octagon. else does yep. – who else or, or what other player does Octagon Hockey represent? Uh, Octagon Hockey represents a great many hockey players. Yeah, but there's one in particular that I'm talking Mark about. Mark Andre Fleury, Yaroslav Halak. Okay, let's narrow it down. Boston Bruins. Uh, I don't off the top of my head remember. Jake DeBrusk, who also has requested a trade. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't put that together. Um, and, hey, maybe they'll get traded together. Well, I'm just wondering if, if this is player-driven or if this is agency-driven at this point. That's a really good question. Because now, yeah, and, and do I believe wait, wait, in coincidences well, as, a, as, as, as a normally no? I mean, is it possible in this instance that just has to be two guys from Octagon Hockey that want trades because they're not happy here? Who were drafted back to back in the uh, yeah, uh, entirely possible. It's a complete coincidence. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the coincidences are mounting up. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a little bit of something, something going on here with Octagon Hockey. They're not happy with their draft picks getting, in their eyes, getting the shaft, deservedly or not. And in Seneshin's case, probably. In the rest of the case, it's absolutely not. I mean, right. he, I mean, I, I couldn't. Here last year? No. And he, I, I think he'd be the first to admit that. I think you would too. Um, Seems to have a decent head on his shoulders. What bothers me about the, what bothers me, and we've talked about, it, is the fickleness of the, of the Bruins fans that booed him the night that he played after mentioning that he wanted to be traded, and then the next game he scores a goal and the Bruins crowd goes crazy. Uh, yep. Can't have, can't have it both ways. Which is it? <laughs> doesn't work that way. Can't have it both ways. And uh, as we, as some of you will have noted by the time you listen to our show, um, the season has been repaused uh, again, um, and the holiday shutdown extended at least through the 28th. Um, some teams are back on the ice practicing as of Sunday um, while we were recording, uh, but games on Monday are not going to happen. Um, obviously check Twitter uh, or wherever else, uh, uh, for follow-up, uh, and whenever the next games will resume. Let's In the meantime, IIHF, uh, is there, get your hockey fix and, uh, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, uh, random people you meet on the street. And we'll be back next week. When next we talk, it will be next year. That is uh, awfully coincidental, and I don't believe in those. Okay. Good to know. Uh, since it will be next year, have a happy new year, safe new year, 
and uh, all the joy in hockey that you can find.